the ultimate pro basketball preview presented by Odyssey and Locked On Podcast Network. Revenge Tour. Welcome to another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. This six-episode series will answer all of your lingering questions about the upcoming NBA season, and each episode will feature the Locked On NBA Roundtable with Locked On local experts covering their teams every single day on their own shows, a nothing-but-bets segment where we hear from the hosts of the Locked On Bets podcast, Lee Sterling and your boy Q, about the betting angle. We'll also hear from NBA experts like Trista Crick of the Heat Check podcast from Odyssey, our fantasy expert Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball will be weighing in with all the biggest stories around fantasy basketball and the voice of the NBA draft Locked On NBA big board host Rafael Barlow will join us towards the end to talk about the players that some of these teams will be tanking for. I'm your host Nick Engstead, daily host of the Locked On Mavericks and NBA podcast but for this series I'll be your host as we visit with over 30 different experts to get you ready for the NBA season. Today we're visiting with teams on the revenge tour the Phoenix Suns, Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat, Philadelphia 76ers and Dallas Mavericks are all looking to rebound from last year's disappointment. Which of these teams could be a title contender? And what has to go right for all of them to make it? We break it all down on today's episode. And to kick us all off, here's Trista Crick of Odyssey's Heat Check podcast with who she thinks is a legitimate title contender from today's group. Well, I think there's a couple, right? I think number one, you can't count Miami out. It's always very ugly watching Miami in the postseason, even during the regular season, right? But they've been in the mix now multiple years in a row where they've got that pedigree. They always add these guys that you've never heard of before. Somehow these undrafted players turn into key rotation guys that end up either able to get money on the heat or able to get money somewhere else. They lost P.J. Tucker and you think to yourself, well, they didn't really add anyone else. And then you look and see, dig a little deeper. Darius Days, baby, out of LSU. He could be very interesting. One of Jerry West's favorite young players. He goes undrafted. If Kyle Lowry ends up being himself, which he wasn't really all last year, if you know he is, I think that's a matchup problem. Are they good enough to beat a healthy Bucks team? No, of course not. Almost no one is. But look what happened last year. Sometimes your imaginary matchup never ends up happening, right? And then in the West, I think Denver is one of those teams that's being slept on, right? It's really easy to forget how close Denver ended up playing Golden State. Jokic was carrying the load. Three out of the five games were very tight. Even game two, halftime very tight, right? Jokic was making it a sweat. And then you add back in Jamal Murray, who is a bubble god. Like He went down to an ACL injury. I think he's going to be really good. Obviously, Michael Porter Jr. coming back from injury, probably even more important. Very versatile two-way wing. He can shoot the leather off the ball if they get him in the mix and he's healthy. That really helps. You add Christian Braun and Peyton Watson. Super, super intriguing with Bruce Brown, with KCP. I think this team's really interesting. I think they're going to be a matchup problem. And on top of that, you've got Jokic, who's you know one of the best, if not the best, centers in the world. Welcome into the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. This is the Locked On NBA Roundtable. All of us here host shows covering our teams five days a week on YouTube and on the podcast. I am Nick Engstead from the Locked On Mavericks podcast. I've been your moderator, but now my team is represented in this as well. We're calling this the Revenge Tour. All of these teams have something that they're coming back from last year. Uh, A disappointing playoff series, potentially, for some of these. Uh, An MVP campaign to to revenge. Uh, A player that did not win MVP that really thought he should have won MVP that's coming back for a revenge tour. And all of the above. So, let's introduce our hosts here. Like I said, I'm Nick Engstead from Lockdown Mavericks. And joining us from Denver, we have... I'm Matt Moore. I'm the co-host of Locked On Nuggets and senior writer for the Action Network. 
Joining us all the way from Philadelphia, we have. I'm Devon Givens from Locked On 76ers, co-host on that podcast, and also 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. All the way down in South Beach from Miami, we have. Wes Goldberg, co-host of Locked On Heat. And speaking of heat in Phoenix, we have. Brendan Clean, Locked On Suns. Gentlemen, let's start with this. Which team has the best case to be a title contender? I'll open this up to the team. The team that came to mind first for me is I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the 76ers this year. James Harden said he's he's motivated now. He's in shape, apparently. And the last time we saw motivated, in shape James Harden, he, he can take a team pretty far. Devon, do you think the Sixers have the best case to win a title or is it somebody else in this call? No, I do think it's the 76ers. They have been uh, on this path for the last couple of seasons. And unfortunately for them, they've been knocked out in the second round, uh, which has been a big problem here in Philadelphia. But now with James Harden starting the year off from day one, training camp, the entire offseason where the team got together quite a bit together in Los Angeles and Philadelphia and different parts of the country uh, working together. And also the unselfishness of him, James Harden, if you will, giving up the money that he did, at least for this season. We know he'll be compensated later on if things work out properly. But to add to this team, to fix the issues that they have with their depth issues, the toughness, that has been a big issue with this basketball team for the last couple of seasons. I do think the Philadelphia 76ers are certainly in that conversation for the contender in the Eastern Conference and it's certainly in the entire basketball association. So, yeah, I think it is the 76ers as far as this group goes. For anybody else, what's going to hold the Sixers back from winning a title this year? Maybe it's another team or Matt Moore. What what could potentially hold the Sixers team back? Uh, let's see. Joel Embiid very rarely makes it through one full season, let alone his long streak of actually being pretty healthy. Very likely he's going to miss some time. Look, I'm just saying there's a lot of strip clubs in the world and James Harden exists. <laughs> like that combination is not going to be great for their title contention. Uh, the depth is good, but it's getting older. Maury went older with with this group. And so I think that there's going to be some risk there. If PJ Tucker takes a step back at all, that's a little worrisome. They made some gambles here. Uh, shooting, I think, is another little bit of a concern. I think the Sixers are going to be awesome, but I wouldn't put them at the top of this group as far as a title contender. Who would you put? Oh, it's the Denver Nuggets. It's, it's absolutely different. Look, I, I just think if you look at the actual comparison here, um, two of the other teams on this on this list uh, had pretty brutal playoff runs. Uh, one of them is just a flaming mess of disaster as far as chemistry goes. Um, the Nuggets are in a really good spot. Jamal Murray came back in preseason. He's looked good. MPJ's back. He looks good. Nicole Jokic is the two-time MVP. As long as he's on the floor, they're going to be pretty great. They added Catavius Caldwell-Pope for defense and Bruce Brown for defense. Bones Highlands looked great in preseason. The bench is going to be better when it was the worst unit in the league. The starters may have one of the best offensive ratings that we've seen in the last 10 years. They're going to absolutely cook. The division's weaker. They're going to have a lot of opportunities there. Denver is well-primed, I think, for a playoff run. This is a team that made the Western Conference Finals. This is a team that gets back a whole lot of firepower. I think the Nuggets should be at the top of the list. I think I think this we have to do debate style, where if your team gets called out, you have to respond. So Brendan Clean, <laughs> the Locked On Suns, uh, can you make a case for the Nuggets to the, you know what's going to hold them back, and then talk about the Suns and maybe the chemistry situa- situation. <laughs> the chemistry situation is like the the this chapter of the Suns, uh, the book on this era of the Phoenix Suns. I don't know where that will go. I mean, that's kind of difficult to know. It sounds like the ownership situation is changing. DeAndre Ayton's been back to his normal self. I was in his media availability post game after the first preseason match. He he was in his normal cheery, bright eyed self. Uh, so it seems like we're we're getting back to normal there. I mean, the Nuggets. I think 
exhibit A of what might go wrong is what happened uh, with the Suns in 2021. They got swept. And I think the defensive limitations of Jokic, you know, I'm not somebody who feels like that's inhibiting for them to ever win a championship, but I think it's at least a question that needs to be answered. Obviously, their health. Guys are coming back. Will they stay healthy? Will they be their normal selves? But I mean, that roster is, is really, really good. I feel like that that Denver roster is maybe the best we've seen of the Okachera. So you're not going to hear me saying that, that the Nuggets are going to be terrible. Uh, as for defending the Suns, I, I came on this preview last year and I was incredibly cocky and, and that was shoved back <laughs> in my face by uh, by uh, the team that you cover, Nick. So you know all about that. And so I'm not going to sit here and say that the Suns are the favorites of this group. I think they'll be a great team again, but there are questions. There's no doubt. Um, question: Can they beat the 36ers if they face them in a rematch? Oh. The Adelaide 36ers. Is that if if they do have to face it, they have to go through the NBL and the playoffs. Do they think that we... they can get through? Yeah, I'd say if the starters play more than 22 minutes, it, it probably <laughs> goes pretty well for them. And it's and, you know not a preseason game. You know they're going to make a Jay Crowder trade. Like very very much of an overreaction. I've never seen preseason matter so much outside 100%. of uh, Monday night. But you know. <laughs> It's the Suns. They're going to have to face that. It's been it's been a bad stretch for them. They they deserve all of it. And the Suns bring it upon themselves, right? Like it, when Devin Booker responds by posting on Instagram with the LeBron meme from yeah. the tw- from the 2011 Finals when he was losing to the Mavericks. And, you know these guys wake up every day and go to their boring jobs and go to this <laughs> blah blah blah. They they hate their life and they just they just want to bring down everybody else. What uh, I took from that, Nick, is I think Booker's going to win three of like the next six finals. Right? That's that's what happened with LeBron. <laughs> so it seems like that's where be. we're headed with the Suns. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Wes Goldberg, what's the case? Let, let, yeah. You have nobody's mentioned the Heat as the having the best case, but what's the oh. but what's the best case for the Heat to win a title this year? I don't know, just insert like Grand Theft Auto gif. Oh, here we go again. Right here. <laughs> Throw that in right here because what are we, 10 minutes into this thing? We have yet to mention the Miami Heat. Classic media people overlooking <laughs> the number one seed in the Eastern Conference last year. Nobody wants to talk about the Heat ever since LeBron left South Beach. Look, I get it. I'm used to it. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, I'll just go. I'll just do it this way. We'll just go roast style. Denver, can Jamal Murray prove that he's healthy beyond just making a corner three in the preseason? Boom, I don't roasted. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> Dallas, you got to get through the Western Conference. There's so many better teams than you. You have Luka Doncic and what else? Like Christian Wood coming off the bench. Congratulations. Big offseason move. You burned. Boom, boom, roasted. Get over your drama, man. That's crazy. Like, Devin Booker. Devin Booker <laughs> posting so somebody else's comments? Why don't you just say something, Devin Booker? Burnt. Philadelphia. <laughs> James Harden? Really? We're going to rely on him? I was just going through right before we got here. He's talking about how motivated to be in condition. You can go back to like 2018. It's the same quotes every single summer for James Harden. I got on a treadmill this summer. <laughs> cool, man. Great for you. Burnt. Miami, meanwhile. <laughs> Eric Spolster, best coach in the league, voted by his peers for the second year in a row. Nothing that – you look at the other coaches on, the, on this list. They're not even in the same universe as Eric Spolster as a coach. Best defense in, or an elite defense last year. You lose P.J. Tucker, but still going to be top 10 defensively. Offensively, I think there's still a lot to like. Tyler Hero is going to make another leap. Bam Adebayo is doing all the right things. Um, and I just think that you're looking up and down this group. Would I pick the Heat to win the championship? No, but we're talking about revenge tour teams. We don't have the other favorites right now on this call. So uh, of this group, I love Miami's chances. They're stable, and they're not dealing with all this other mess that these other teams are messing on, dealing with on the side. And the spotlight is going to be on all of you guys, and it's not going to be on the Miami Heat. Let me jump in on that Burt real fast as you talk <laughs> about that. As we talk about Burt, how hot it is in Miami with the Heat, 
This coming from a summer where a, a big announcement was made by Udonis Haslam for his 20th consecutive <laughs> season when he doesn't even play. With all due respect, we all love Udonis Haslam from afar. But, yeah, all right, come on. That's the big story of the offseason <laughs> and, the, and the long hair of Jimmy Butler now yeah. uh, as he uh, does the things that he's Your doing. Your argument so. against the Heat is the 14th <laughs> guy on the roster? Yeah, yeah, I had to throw that one in there. That's fun. And possibly the only power forward they have. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Thank you, Matt. On the Dallas Mavericks, I don't think they have the best case, uh, but they do have either the best player or the second best player on this call uh, and in the NBA, I think, with Luka Doncic. And anytime you have that player and you put at least a deep enough roster around him, we've seen in the past, we've seen a player make a run with a pretty deep team around him and go to the finals in 2011 and end up... I don't remember that. Beating a team, beating. Do you remember? Do you remember 2011? Uh, I don't beat, remember anything about that year. It's beating weird. a team that they were not supposed to beat. So it's Luka Doncic. It's the depth around him. The Mavericks finally have an identity that they're really diving into. They haven't had that. They didn't have that in the Rick Carlisle era. They now have it in the you know the Jason Kidd era. Him being the head coach now, and uh, they at least have that. They know what they're doing going forward. And I think there's a trade for the Mavericks to make at a certain point. If any of these players, if any of these players, you know steps up and increases their value. If Christian Wood goes on a little bit of a run, if, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. recoups some of his, his, you know, trade value. And then the Mavericks have their picks going forward. They, they owe a 2023 pick to the New York Knicks in the Porzingis trade, but then they have all their picks going forward. And we all saw this offseason what just a couple of picks can do in a trade, because it seems like everybody just wants three or four picks for a star player. So if the Mavericks for their, for them to have the best case would have to make a move like that and fix the second best player problem, which has been the, the problem for the Mavericks since they drafted Luka Doncic. I think they're yeah, going to probably they... have the the uh, the best, not best. They're going to have a, a great regular season. I don't know if they'll win as many games. I think they have a great regular season. I think Luka's in really good position to win MVP because they're just going to give him the ball all the time. This is going to be an absurd Russell Westbrook, James Harden-esque season yes. from Luka Doncic. He's going to put up absurd numbers. They've got good shooting around him. The questions around the league are about can Jason Kidd in year two hold it together? Because there's been a lot of questions about Jason Kidd year two, his relationship with some of the players. And then I think in the playoffs, that's my big thing. It's like we're eight months from the playoffs. Regular season, I think they're going to be fine. But yeah. that style of James Harden does everything and then goes partying, which Luca is just brilliantly on track to emulate, is I think a little bit of a concern when the playoffs come. And then yeah, the other part for me is right. the, uh, the, the Christian Wood aspect of this all, just seeing him from his days from UNLV to the Delaware 87ers, where he went through the G League with the 76ers organization. The problem with him, Nick, is he thinks he's better than he really is. He's a good player. He's very talented. But he really believes that he is that guy. And when Jason Kidd comes out and says, yeah, he's probably going to be the sixth man coming off the bench, that's probably his best position in this league to come in and be able to do that and be a sixth man of the year candidate because of how talented he is. And he really believes that he is on that level of an all-style Cowboy player. So if he's not buying in and not really accepting what the coaching staff is preaching, playing with the great players Matt talked about and Luka Doncic and what he's going to be able to do, he's going to feed him and get him opportunities. He really needs to accept what his role is and not think that he is an all-star level player when he's not. Yeah, I think he he may determine the ceiling of the Mavericks. Like the floor is already set with Luka, with you know, Dinwiddie with some of the, with the, the two wings, it, their, their self-proclaimed nickname, the Bang Bros, that they've, they've called themselves and Reggie Bullock and Dory Finney-Smith. But uh, I think Christian Wood, what he can be and what he could bring to this team could raise the ceiling for the Mavericks. And him accepting his role coming off the bench is going to be the big one. Um, what about the, what, what about the, talking about a revenge tour, having a revenge tour. 
Uh, Joel Embiid had a lot of comments about how he should have been the MVP last year. Devon, are you buying that? Do you think you've already said that Luke, we've already talked about how Luca has a really good case to win MVP. According to bet online, he's the favorite going into this year. Is that something that Joel Embiid is trying to go for this year? Is he, this is his uh, legit revenge tour to try to get MVP? No, it doesn't appear to be, at least that's what they're, that's what he's saying right now. It starts off uh, the, the conversation in, in training camp and media day and all seems like they're stepping away from that a little bit. Uh, what more can he do is how he just basically phrases it. And, I always, and look, I've had my issues with Joel Embiid over the years, and one of the things that I did back him on uh, these last two seasons when talked about it, of course, the play speaks for itself, but, and when he didn't win it two years ago, he didn't play enough games, and that was obvious, and that's how it goes. Last season, I thought was his, his real best case. The issue I always had uh, from seeing how the questions would come from different people, from a, nationally and both locally, is that they would ask him about it, and he answered it. And oftentimes, we get upset when people don't answer questions. And he answered and he, and he said that he wanted it and felt like, okay, he wanted it. And he always says championships. While I, I always see people leave that part out when he mentions winning the championship. Now you can talk about the level of play, but in terms of answering the question, that's one thing. But I, I do think that he is a, a focus. He talked about the defensive team being number one overall in the league. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, but I do think that he kind of backed off of the MVP for for this season, recognizing that, hey, it goes the way that it goes with the voting. Luca was asked about MVP just as much. And Luca only has like, I don't know, about a 25 word word bank that he usually gives us and any kind of question mm-hmm. that has ever been asked him. But he was asked about MVP a lot and it was not as much of a conversation on him. I think there are ways to answer it. Joel, Joel like leaned into it and was maybe more truthful and some of these other guys than Luca or Jokic when they were asked about it last year. He, he definitely answered. He answers questions. He's long-winded with his answers, and he's yeah. he's he's thoughtful with his. He he says a lot and loves love that media. Love yes, that media, Joel Embiid. By the what? way, yes, what's he that? Does. Like? He was asked about it. He was asked about it when yeah. SI just happened to come and show up a month and a half before the award was voted on and mm-hmm. do a long profile about how he's the MVP. It's uh, weird. Matt, he does it locally too. He does it locally too, Matt. I don't know if you're tuning in all the time here locally in Philadelphia, but he definitely <laughs> is asked about it quite a bit here in town. And he answers but, the question. Long I mean, my, my thing is, I, I, listen, think, I don't I think have Joel... to stand up for him. He, he can stand up for himself. I'm just telling you from, a, from being here and just hearing it and how it's framed. And then also, checking in on the national piece also where it's talked about. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if you're here to kind of understand everything. Like I can't, I don't know what's going on in Minnesota all the time. That's why I read everybody there in Minnesota to try to pick up on it, but I can't give that same type of answer knowing that I'm not there. I think Joel wants it. I think it's pretty obvious. Joel Absolutely. I didn't he say he didn't it want it. And that's okay. I didn't say he didn't want it. That, and that's okay. Like, honestly, I think Jokic's whole thing of like, I don't really care. It's not better. Like, that's not better. It's not, like, more impressive that a guy doesn't want it, right? Like, you shouldn't constantly be focused on these type of things. It's not going to get you anywhere. They should just be, I, I think they shouldn't be penalized for being honest. I really yeah. don't think Jokic cares. I think in the summers he wants to go ride horses, and, and, that, and that's it. He <laughs> paid a bunch of money. I think Joel Embiid really does care, and I don't know why people blast these athletes sometimes for being honest. It's a little bit like it's- what's going on locally in Miami. People are blasting Tyler Hero for saying he wants to be a starter. It would be weird if he didn't want to be a starter. And in, in, in the NBA, and just because he says it to the media, this is why these guys aren't always honest is because they get to yeah. be they, they be honest well, and then they get blasted for it. But you can't also be like, oh, it's totally OK, whatever they say, as long as they're honest. That's 
like you you should be on you can choose to be honest sure, no i mean look there's certain things on. that people will say that are completely out of bounds if you're being honest like but if we're just talking about hey i want to win mvp i want an yes. award and i want this trophy say whatever you want man who cares it's it's a lot of the john snow and daenerys game of thrones right like john snow the whole like last season like i don't want it like i don't want it he just didn't want the iron <laughs> throne and daenerys <laughs> your john snow impression daenerys is like i want the iron throne as much as possible and we look at them differently because of it now there's maybe a gender thing with that too but uh coming up let's get into these teams what's their path to the finals what has to go right for their team to make the finals to to break out and to finally make uh, an nba finals we'll talk about that with this group coming up in our first five episodes we'll hear from fantasy basketball expert josh lloyd for his fantasy basketball outlook you can catch him monday through friday and more on locked on fantasy basketball here's josh lloyd's fantasy minute the Phoenix Suns, the big riser here, I think, is going to be Cameron Johnson, who moves from a bench role into a starting role. We still don't know, at the time of me recording this, um, what's happening with Jay Crowder and what players are coming back in a deal, which could have an impact on Johnson. But Johnson is a guy that can score pretty well, rebound okay, really efficient, and it's going to hit threes, of course. For Denver, it's the return of Jamal Murray. I'm not worried about him at all. In terms of you know, concern about oh, how how few minutes he's going to play coming back from the injury, he's fine to go. I'm way more worried about Michael Porter Jr. because of the third back surgery. But there's value in both of those guys at the right draft spot. Bones Highland is an interesting later round guy. Well, of course, Nikola Jokic is the number one overall pick for Miami. There's a big opening at Power Forward. Is it going to be Omer Yurtseven that starts? Caleb Martin, Haywood Highsmith. Do they go really small and put Victor Oladipo in there and push Jimmy Butler up to the four? I think taking a flyer on a Yurt 7 or a Caleb Martin with your last pick makes a little bit of sense. And in Philadelphia, Tyrese Maxey's preseason has been unbelievable. He won't shoot 80% during the year. I guarantee you that. And I think some of these preseason performances might push him up draft boards too far. I am pretty interested in James Harden at where he's getting drafted, but I'm absolutely no interest in Tobias Harris. And for Dallas, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to have to absorb a larger role. And I'm a little bit worried about Christian Wood if there is that ceiling on him coming off the bench um, behind JaVale McGee. And that might just mean that he gets drafted a little bit too early, whereas guys like Finney Smith and Reggie Bullock are really quite low upside players that I'm probably not going to be too interested in. Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we get to our next roundtable conversation with our local experts, here's Trista Crick of Odyssey's Heat Check Podcast with her thoughts on what has to go right for teams hoping to make a surprise run at the NBA Finals. Oh boy, I tell you what. First and foremost, let's talk about the Suns. The Suns are one of those teams that could really be derailed by locker room issues, right? Like they got to get rid of that drama. They have to shake that off. Aiton either needs to be moved in January to a place that he wants to go, or there needs to be a peace treaty with the teammates. CP3 grinds his guys down to dust. Like, I think that's annoying to his teammates. That needs to be fixed. Aiton has to be a very consistent force, I think. Cam Johnson needs to be better on defense now that he's a starter and has alienated Jay Crowder to the point where he's not even showing up, right? You need to be that guy that ends up pushing Jay Crowder out. You need to deserve that. CP3, of course, it's an issue. He's never healthy when it comes down to it, right? I know that there was COVID concerns, but on top of that, CP3 hasn't been healthy. Multiple playoffs. And, and Booker needs to be an MVP. He just needs to have that type of a season. And Monty Williams, I can't forget about him. He needs to be better at making in-game adjustments in order for them to go back to the finals again. Uh, in terms of Philly, Philly's a very intriguing team. 
James and Embiid, though, I think the number one thing for them is that they have to become one person. Like, the number one thing that Doc Rivers has said is that, James, you need to figure out when to be aggressive, when to end up feeding Embiid, and when to facilitate to your other teammates and get them involved, right? And if James can be some meshing between Houston James and Brooklyn James, and that balance is really right, I think that they could be very dangerous, and they need to figure out a way to to become a better rebounding team. They were one of the worst in the NBA at that, and that's why they got P.J. Tucker. I think that should help. And then Dallas, let's be honest, they're not contending this year. They need to acquire someone. That's just what it is. Like, you can't just lose Jalen Brunson and not pick anybody up. Sorry, Christian Wood, you're a nice piece, but I don't think that's going to be enough. And do you trust Spencer Dinwiddie to put up 41 if Luka's on the bench with an ankle injury? Hell no! Can I say hell no? Hell no! I do not trust Spencer Dinwiddie to be the guy. I've seen him in Washington right here in the DMV. I've seen him in Brooklyn. Like, it's just not. It's just not for me. And then, you know, JaVale McGee, Christian Wood, nice piece. They're going to need to be the best versions of themselves, right? Get easy buckets. Prediction, to me, they fall very far in the standings. Potentially a play-in team. Really disappointing. And, you know, I think they do need to add another piece in order to really contend. Welcome back to the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. This is the Locked On NBA Roundtable. We have all the teams represented here. All of our teams are, we have shows covering them five days a week on our YouTube channels as well as our podcast. You can go subscribe and follow those right now. What has to go right for each of these teams to make the NBA Finals? Uh, one of the favorites to go to the Finals last year was the Phoenix Suns. Brendan, we'll start with you. What has to go right this year for the Suns to get back there? Well, it was funny. You said uh, coming into the break, to finally make an NBA Finals. We saw that already about, you know, 15 months ago. The Suns were there. They had a 2-0 lead. We, uh, I don't know what happened after that. And then the next season started. <laughs> I, I, I think there was just a gap I wasn't, I wasn't uh, conscious for. But I think what has to happen for the Suns is they have to answer some of the postseason demons that, that have flared up, right? I mean, not only have they, you know, depth has hurt them. They've had a little bit of, of a struggle adapting and changing how they play. But I think the bottom line is they've come up against Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic, who are two of the maybe three or five best players in the entire NBA. And the Suns just haven't really been able to match that. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, we'll guard those guys better. But it's another when you look at yourself and you say, hey, we don't have that other player to match them. And I think, unfortunately, because Chris Paul has not been his self, at the end of those runs because of the depth problems, because of their, their supporting cast is so young, they've just had these problems. So it's can Devin Booker rise to that occasion, continue to get better. Can you put Chris Paul in position to be uh, what he needs to be by, you know, the end of a season here in his late thirties. And can some of those, at least one of those young role players step up, whether that is Deandre Ayton with his extension now coming back, Mikhail Bridges, who's gradually gotten better. Can these guys become a, bonafide third option in the way that a lot of these other teams have to make up for, Hey, we don't have a Giannis. We don't have a Luca, but you know, we have, we have these other answers and, and they just haven't, and they need to, if they're going to win the title. Matt Moore, how long should we expect Chris Paul to continue this run that he's made like this, this late in his career Renaissance almost. You know, honestly, he's putting so much work with the diet and everything else. Like Chris had those, he had his meniscus surgery a solid 14 years ago. Um, and look, he, he has these random injuries, like the, the hamstring that got him in 2018 and things like that. I think you have to be worried about it. I think you have to be concerned that he's going to he's gonna be there. But is that any more of a concern than Jamal Murray coming off of an ACL or Jimmy Butler with 7,000 miles on him above age you know, 32 or 
Joel Embiid, period. Like, you know, all these teams, I think, have major injury concerns, but the Mavericks maybe being the healthiest one. Chris, I think, has put so much work into extending his longevity, and I mean, I'd love to see him him get a title. Um, I honestly think it's as random as it is for any player with a little bit of heightened numbers for his age, but I don't think that Chris Paul is necessarily at a higher risk of injury than um, most of the major stars. Well, I think the-, the problem with Chris has been that he – the level of difficulty to do what he does at his size makes it that an injury hampers him just so much more, a little hamstring tweak. You know, we saw Jimmy power through some of that. He was clearly going through it. He's missing halves of games or entire games. And then the next time you would never know he was even hurt because he can do things to adapt to that. Cause he's six, seven, and he can do more on the floor. Whereas Chris needs to get to that mid range jumper. He needs to be able to play with pace. He needs to be, not turning the ball over and, and able to, you know, get past the guy that's guarding him and all these different things. I think that's, that's the problem. And then the, the other part of that is so much runs through him. There's not that backup plan when, okay, Chris is 70%. Let's go to our, our other stuff that hasn't existed. And I think that's on him too. And that's always been part of the Chris Paul problem is so much is built off of him that when he's not there or he's less than, you're really running into problems. Matt, you mentioned Jamal Murray. He's coming back from an ACL. He's incredibly important for this Nuggets team to make the finals, but what is it him or what has to go right for this Nuggets team to go back to the finals? Uh, it's the defense. That, like, that's the question mark, right? So they invested a lot of money on the defensive side of the ball uh, this offseason. They traded Will Barton, who was a big part of what the team had built, as well as Monte Morris, who they called Mr. Nugget in these parts. They trade both those guys so they get Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Pope's a, a much, much, much better defender than Barton. He's actually a better catch and shoot guy. Uh, less work with the ball when in his hands, but he fits pretty perfectly with the team. Bruce Brown, another guy they added for defensive upside. They're hoping Zeke Naji can make a leap there. But a lot of this is just going to come down to their effort level and intensity and whether or not they can build those things. Aaron Gordon has shown that he can defend at a high level. KCP can. They've honestly shown that they can defend at a pretty high level with Jokic in certain schemes. But when he plays drop, he's toast. And so drop coverage and pick and roll uh, with him retreating. That's why Chris Paul tore him up two years ago. Also, Jamal Murray was out. Uh, So you got all these kind of combinations of factors that are leading into question marks about the defense. Like this is the big thing for them. Their offense is going to be absolutely molten metal. It's going to (laughs) be incredible. But if their defense is still susceptible and they're having to go into set defenses on the half court every single time, they're not going to be able to win a title. Defense is going to decide whether or not this team is a real contender. Devon, is it a similar kind of story for the Sixers? Really is, because when you look at the starting lineup there for the Sixers, and I mentioned Joel and B talking about how they need to be the number one defensive team in the league, it starts with him on the back end, and he cleans up a lot of mess. But on the perimeter there, you have your problems, which is why they invested so much to bring in P.J. Tucker, even, yes, at the age of 37, but bringing in P.J. Tucker because of what we know him to be as a defensive player, adding De'Anthony Melton on the draft day trade uh, from Memphis for Danny Green also adding Daniel House, Matisse Thibel coming off the bench if he is here for the remainder of the season. They know that defense is going to gear things up. They can score points with the best of them. We've seen it, Joel Embiid leading the league and scoring, James Harden being who he is, the accession of uh, uh, Tyrese Maxey uh, as a, a scorer in this league that they want to make sure that they get the ball in his hands, using speed as an advantage uh, to get to the basket. Defense is going to really carry this basketball team, and that was preached at the end of the year a season ago. And it was certainly preached on, uh, on media day 
during training camp and, and it will be as the start of the things go here because they have a lot of offensive punch. They can do a lot of things there. They run some really good offensive sets. We'll see what James Harden is as an offensive player running this team. But Joel Embiid, Matisse Stiebel, DeAnthony Melton, P.J. Tucker, all of those players, the versatility that they have is what is going to be important defensively and how they run things through the Eastern Conference and maybe even getting to the NBA Finals. Wes, are you buying this new James Harden? I'm doing air quotes for the audio listeners with this new James Harden. You know what? I know I just like was making fun of him, but yes, I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally drinking the Kool-Aid here. Um, I actually do think of this group, the Sixers have the best chance to win the championship because at the end of the day, they're the only team uh, that we're all representing here that can claim maybe if James Harden is what he wants to be and, and is apparently motivated to be, have two top 10, top 12-ish type of players. I don't know that another team on this on this Zoom call can can claim that. And so, um, yeah, I love their top end uh, talent and and their ceiling. I think is just so much higher than anybody else. When James Harden and, and Joel and Beat are on the court and they run pick and roll, they're basically unstoppable. And and it'll be interesting to see how much Doc Rivers puts them on the court. Maybe that's more of a playoff thing, but that's when it's going to matter, and that's what is going to be the defining moment for this team. The, the Sixers are going to win a ton of regular season games. It's going to be hard for them not to as long as they're healthy. It's just what happens in the playoffs. And, and can Doc Rivers kind of pull the right levers to get them to where they want to be, which is obviously the NBA Finals. He hasn't really done it over the last couple of years, but also Joel Embiid was hurt. When in the in the in the series that they lost to the Heat for half of that series, if I again I I know I represent the Miami Heat here. I think if Embiid were healthy, I was at those games. I think it, I yeah. think the Sixers win that series, and so I think that they're a really really good team, and and I would probably put their ceiling higher than anybody else's. And Wes, those games, Wes, when he he broke his face in that final game uh, with Pascal Siakam elbowing him in the face and already having a thumb issue, many people did predict the Sixers would win that series against the Miami Heat just because the matchup was better. Uh, against the Heat versus some of the other teams that were out there in Milwaukee and Boston. And right. we know what happened. We, you know, it was what it was. But uh, Doc Rivers, I don't know if you guys saw that clip from the real training camp access that they had uh, a couple of last week. And he talked about how this is not a democracy when it comes to uh, the balls go to Embiid. And the other part is, James Harden, we need you to be aggressive and be yourself. So that's the focus. And you get Tyrese Maxey having Ty Tobias Harris comfortable, making sure that everybody else is in their spots. But again, it's not a democracy. It runs through Joel Embiid and James Harden. That's how the offense is going to go. I just want to say one thing, though. I, I, I was okay when I said it, but when I heard Devon say that, the <laughs> I didn't like it. I, I backtrack everything. I take it all back. The Heat would have won that series regardless. The, the, uh, the playoff combinations here, I think, are really like, how do you feel about, you know, Monte, Monty Williams, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker? I mean, they made the finals, but obviously Chris has got some history. The Heat are certified right? Denver's made playoff runs when they were fully healthy. And then there's Doc Rivers, James Harden, and Joel Embiid. That's a triple <laughs> yikes, folks. Hey, hey, Matt, listen. Yeah, hey, I, I know we just met, but I'm one who... <laughs> I know I'm one when the whole Brett Brown thing went down and Doc Rivers' name came up. I was very vocal of no. And hey, listen, I understand what his, his past was and Give him an opportunity. He's the best on the market. Go out there and do it. Okay, great. And look, he all he did was come in and do exactly what Brett Brown has done, which is win 50-plus games, get to the second round, and lose. So it's also on him, and he knows that. And yeah. that's a, it's a big talking point here. And listen, I've been around the team now, this organization, for 15 years, and, and seen from, uh, obviously, Doug Collins to Brett Brown and, and, and here with uh, Eddie Jordan and, and now with Doc Rivers, 
he's done he's done nothing that hasn't already been done and he has to get it done and i was i was really the, the la talk it seemed like here from afar just speaking to people and i'm sure you all have seemed like it was real and then we know he loves his golf we know he you know all those types of things and uh, we were very curious to see how that would all play out but as far as that particular series went that path at versus playing milwaukee or boston in round number two yes wes matt brandon nick i did believe <laughs> that that was their easier path to get to the eastern conference finals i don't know what have happened when they got there but it certainly seemed like that was that was it for last season yeah can we talk about the miami heat <laughs> are we gonna go another 15 minutes without talking about the miami heat go ahead what's the Miami? what's the miami heat's best case and what has to happen for them well, unlike most of the teams uh, that we're talking about here, the Heat don't really have that MVP candidate guy, right? There's no Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid. There's not a Luka Doncic. Miami's best player is Jimmy Butler, who is never in these MVP conversations, mostly because he doesn't put himself there. Like regular season Jimmy Butler and playoff Jimmy Butler seem to be over the last three years, two different Jimmy Butlers. One likes to score a lot, the one in the playoffs. The other one just kind of coast is a strong word. It's sort of just getting through the regular <laughs> season. But I'm done doubting Jimmy Butler in terms of whether or not he could be that wing who can carry a team to the NBA Finals. We've seen him get there once. We've seen him get within a shot of it uh, last season, right? And to me, it's just everybody that's backing up Jimmy Butler. Like, we talked about P.J. Tucker going to Philadelphia. That, the, that was the biggest thing to happen for Miami, too, because they never really replaced him, and they didn't make any real additions. So it's just going to take everybody around Jimmy Butler that was on the roster last year that came short um, one game of the Finals stepping up their game. It's going to be Bam Adebayo having to step up it, and being more aggressive on offense. He averaged 13 shots last year. He's talking about maybe averaging 18 shots this year, potentially adding the three-pointer to his game. Tyler Hero uh, with that new con uh, contract extension that kicks in next season. Can he start to become that kind of guy who's deserving of 30 plus million dollars a year, a top 40-ish player in the NBA? That's what he's got to be to be worth that kind of money. He needs to get on the path to being there, especially if he's a starter. And then it's going to be Kyle Lowry just getting healthy. He wasn't healthy last year for a variety of different reasons. He's more settled now in his second year in Miami. Uh, he looks great at media day and, and at the scrimmage last night and mon on Monday night. Um, and so, yeah, if you can get all of those guys to step up their games around Jimmy Butler, and then Jimmy Butler carries you through the playoffs and you're getting those contributions from those guys, that would be the path for the Miami Heat. You know, Wes, like Brendan talked about how like it's about Devin Booker kind of stepping up and they've obviously got, you know, we've talked about the chemistry issues there and with the Nuggets and the Sixers, I think there's this question of like, okay, but can you really get there? Like, can you really get there? Can you put it all together um, around the talent with the heat? Isn't it a lot of it about, are you, do they have enough gas because right. they didn't make any real big additions. This team always finds guys that kind of contribute like Yurtsevin and dudes like that. But those are also not guys that you can feel great about in a playoff series. And that team looks so gassed at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, on top of the question of, is Jimmy Butler finally going to irritate them enough for a blow-up, as he has literally everywhere else he's been, <laughs> is there kind of a concern about, are they? is there any way for this team with its age and the lack of depth for them to be able to make it through the regular season and that deep to make the finals? I think that is a concern. The weird thing about last year when the Heat were in the number one seed, I actually thought the COVID stuff that hit the league in December and a little bit of January actually helped Miami because they have that culture of being like, hey, we can make Omer Yurtsevin and Max Drew star players for a couple of nights and go ahead and win games this way, where all these other teams were fielding G League squads and couldn't win games. And that that was sort of the period of the season where Miami got the number one seed. And I thought the having home court advantage in the playoffs really helped them. I don't think that they're going to be 
the number one seed this year. I think with all things being equal, this is probably a team that's fighting for maybe a top six seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, and, and I do think that you're going to be asking a lot from those guys. I, I think that's definitely a concern. The one thing is with the Heat, it feels like even though they just extended Tyler Hero and he was their main trade asset who becomes basically untradeable for a year, I still think that this team is maybe ripe for a trade. They have a bunch of smaller salaries that they can move in in like January, uh, December, January, February, right before the trade deadline. And if they can take a, if they can kind of bunch a couple of those contracts together, attach a draft pick or two, and then go find a legit starting power forward or another score kind of guy, that could be the kind of thing that helps them kind of get over the top. Nick, is there a plan that does not involve just like Luka Doncic being singularly the greatest player in the history of basketball for the Mavericks to make the finals? Not in my book. I don't, I don't think it, it comes down to what I said in the first segment. It's it's Spencer Dinwiddie and it's Christian Wood. That There's a lot of X factor into both of those two players. If they can be, I don't know, like very fringe all-star level players, then you're looking at a Mavericks team that it has some depth, that has an identity, that has some guy that has a bunch of guys on their team all of a sudden that can score 15 to 20 points in a game and then that's a recipe for that's enough stuff around a Luka Doncic that can beat a team like the Phoenix Suns that no one expected them to beat last year in a seven game series. I mean, he can he can take you there and he can get that done. And so it, it is really all about Luka and it's all about just the right recipe around him to and, the, and honestly, the right matchup sometime to beat, you know, teams like that and make a make a finals run. Spencer Dinwiddie rained threes on the Suns. Like he's reason number like number two or number three that they won that game seven by 30 the way they did. But if you're expecting yeah. an all-star caliber season, that that worries me. He's been injury prone. He's been not not living up to his potential. Uh, so I, I doubted him one time and he completely destroyed another team <laughs> in front of my very eyes. But that feels uh, that feels like very high hopes. That's what you have to do now that they lose Jalen Brunson. I mean, they one of the big conversations around the Mavericks has been they need another shot creator. They finally had three shot creators and it was like finally the offense that we wanted to see in the playoffs. And Jalen Brunson left. The Mavericks got nothing for him. And now, now all of a sudden. Dinwiddie has to step up into a starting role. And who's after that? The question has been, who's the third ball handler on this team for all of training camp? And the answer Jason Kidd has given us is Frank Nilakina. And that's not a good enough no. answer. No, not a good enough not. answer for no. a team to potentially make a finals run. And so the answer is. That was, that was the question when Jalen was there. Who's the third guy? And now right, that you lose right. Jalen, it, it's, it's just elevated to a different level because of his exit. And Spencer Dinwiddie fine player but as you guys have talked about already we know the limitations there uh but it, it's going to be tough but i did want to ask matt about as we talk about the Denver nuggets also the michael porter jr part of it because look as talented as he is the injuries always crop up when we talk about of course joel Embiid and, and speaking about his injury history there and i know it's more uh, a longer history of it but you know a lot is is on that team with his scoring ability at that starting position on the wing uh, to be that guy and, and how, how does it look so far and how much do they really uh, lean on him with both he and Murray coming back with the injuries what's funny about MPJ is everyone else outside of Denver immediately brings up the injuries and everyone that covers the Nuggets goes does he know the plays like that's like the number okay. one question is like there were sequences in the preseason in their first preseason game where he literally got lost three times on a possession caught the ball and then drained a contested jumper over two guys He's a 6'10", 50, 40, 90 shooter when he's healthy. Mm. He's unreal. Like, he's mm -hmm. just unreal. I don't, there are very few players I've watched in 15 years covering the league that have his ability to convert low percentage shots at a high rate. The injury stuff, no one really knows. You know, he was supposed to be fine last year. He tweaked it in, in preseason versus Golden State. Nine games in the regular season, he's done for the year. 
there's always going to be that concern with him. There's, it's unlikely he's going to have the same kind of long career that some players have. It's just unlikely. However, the odds of him getting through a season for the Nuggets to make a run, pretty good. They're not high, I would say, relative to your standard NBA player, but they're pretty good where you would feel comfortable with it. He looks great. He's in shape. He, again, phenomenal score. If he can start to put together the mental parts of the game in terms of understanding where to be and how to operate in the system, then, again, I just think the Nuggets are going to be one of the best offensive teams that we've seen. All these teams have cases to make playoff runs. They have great players. They're on revenge tours, and they all have a Locked On podcast covering their team five days a week. You can get them on the YouTube channel as well as on the podcast. So, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us on the Locked On Maverick or Locked On NBA <laughs> Roundtable. Coming up next, it's nothing but bet our betting segment to get you ready to rake in some cash this NBA season. Your boy Q of the Locked On Bets podcast will join us to break it all down. Continuing now on the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your sports wagering needs. Hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling every Monday through Friday on the podcast. Your boy Q joins us right now on our segment, Nothing But Bet, to talk about the revenge tour teams. The bunch of teams we just put together because they all are coming for revenge. The Phoenix Suns have have a season to <laughs> they need to revenge for because yes. they went out in the second round last year against the Dallas Mavericks in uh in just almost like just embarrassing fashion they have the Robert Sarver you know investigation that was ongoing all last year and then came to a point in, during the offseason he's now going to sell the team um DeAndre Ayton had his contract situation where he was you know wanting a max deal they didn't want to give him a max deal he went out and had to go get an offer sheet from another team like that can be a level of disrespect uh jay crowder one of their starters from last year all through the, the playoffs and everything doesn't want to play for them anymore he's sitting out meanwhile the phoenix suns still have the highest odds of this group to win the title next year plus 1200 are you buying the suns i'm not buying the suns i fell for the banana in the tailpipe last season you know 64 <laughs> and 18 the number one seed uh i thought that they were going to be in the finals no doubt but as you mentioned dipped out to the dallas mavericks i didn't see that one coming but it did and there's just so much weird going on around the suns i thought that they were a great landing spot for kd and then my conversation would be different right if they were able to go out and make that move with the nets for kd then okay we'd have a different conversation um i think that uh, you know, Devin Booker is fantastic. DeAndre Ayton still hasn't talked to coach, right? He said the other day he hadn't talked to Monty Williams about being benched in the, in the playoffs. So, you know, that's a conversation that needs to be had. And, and it, it hasn't been had, even though Coach Williams is kind of like, oh, yeah, no big deal. I don't talk to a lot of guys. Yes, you do. Right. So I think that that's the situation you mentioned, the owner and, and all that. I think that that's good. Uh, you know, that's something that was almost felt like a Donald Sterling type situation. I think that them selling the team is or him selling the team is going to be good, even though he's going to get paid a bazillion dollars and he'll be, you know, caked up forever. But whatever. I mean, it's a it's a whole nother scenario. Uh, I just I don't know if they could duplicate and replicate what they did a season ago and then and then some right expand and continue to be better. Uh, I think that they take a slight step back. Chris, uh, uh, Chris Paul's not getting any younger. Uh, every time I say that I'm expecting him to slow down a little bit, he keeps on trucking and keeps on rolling. But at some point, I thought I think the decline is there. So uh, I'm not buying the Suns like I bought the Suns a season ago. Oh, I also didn't mention that they they happened to lose to an NBL team in preseason, which has not happened since 2015. So not. I so I don't I don't know about I don't know, chilling, man. They're in Vegas chilling. 
I don't know about losing to an Australian league team that hasn't happened. Oh, no. The other thing, right. the other thing about the Aiton situation, he could be traded during the year. Like that, that could happen. Right. Like even though he signed this contract, there's a certain point in the year where he can agree to a trade, and so that could all change all of this. Right. The other point about the Aiton thing is that Monty Williams, I've met him, is like the most approachable person I've ever met in basketball. Like just the nicest, down to earth yeah. guy. Will sit and talk to you. Will ask you questions. Like. I don't know if you haven't talked to coach. I, I, don't, I don't know. It might be on you because that guy is he's, he's up to talk to any. He's up, he's up to talk to me. <laughs> well, you're a great guy, man. Why wouldn't, <laughs> he, why wouldn't he want to talk to you? The, uh, the, the next two teams in this group that are that have uh, higher title odds are the uh, Denver Nuggets and the Philadelphia 76ers, both plus 1600. Uh, they got their, their star big men that were in one and two in the MVP last year. Which of these teams are you buying more so, the Nuggets or the Sixers? I'm being going Nuggets a, uh, all day. I don't even. I won't even. I won't even let you get the the words <laughs> out of your mouth, man. I'm going Nuggets all day, and it's more of a disrespect to James Harden and the 76ers than it is even the Nuggets. I don't buy anything that James Harden has to do with. I really don't. The only thing I buy is that he's going to get his money. He's going to go out there and put up a bunch of points that are going to be meaningless because when it push comes to shove and they need him the most, he's going to disappear. He always does. He's done it for year on top of year on top of year. And then when he gets half unhappy, he'll get fat and he'll bounce. And that's just, I mean, that's, that's what it's the inevitable or else he'll quit, but he'll show up at the club afterwards. You can lose to a, in a game that matters the most and he'll be a no show, but he will show up to the party. Look, he'll show up to the club to the point where <laughs> they all of a sudden will sound the alarm. When James walks in, the alarm goes off. Ding, 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 ding. James is here. James is here. And all the ladies come running out because they know what time it is. It's time to make it rain. Just saying. I have heard epic stories about not just not just James Harden at strip clubs. What he what he brings to different cities to go to strip clubs. Exactly. Like it, it, That's why he has uh, light. He has his own uh, alarm when he gets there because it's a big day for them. And I, when I say them, I mean the ladies. The, the Sixers have this, the Sixers have this. I love that. That's this is like. An, this is like a reason why for us not pick the Sixers. The Sixers also have this trio in Joel Embiid, James yep. Harden, you mentioned, and Doc Rivers that have all like blown huge games at right. a certain point in their career. So if they're able to exercise these demons and make it to the finals, it just just make it to the finals. Let's just stop there. Right. Like it would be it would be like a huge feat for them. So plus sixteen hundred. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put money on it, but the Denver Nuggets, I am buying the Denver Nuggets because I think Jokic is that good and he's getting back Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. is just a bonus for him, but if they get anything from him, he's a 50, 40, 90, 6 foot 10 guy. Right, right. No, I, I like uh, getting Jamal back is huge, man. Getting him back is big time. And of course, you know, they 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 have they have the players to get it done. Let's put it like that. Denver's one of those teams. It's almost like a sleeping giant, right? They're, they're there. You know that they have the ability to uh, just blow up. You're just waiting for them to, to make it happen. I think getting Jamal back, uh, I hate it when he got injured. Uh, and that's just, that was such a, a huge blow to Denver. And so I, I think with him back is, is big. And Michael Porter, man, if that guy could ever stay healthy, I mean, you want to talk about injuries. That guy was injured all the way back in, in college, right? If he could ever just stay healthy, the kind of player he could end up being. But at this point, like you said, He's really just a bonus. And they've added some depth too, right? They they made the trade for KCP. So they've now added Contavious Caldwell Pope as like a defender on the perimeter. They added Bruce Brown from the Nets, which I thought was a pretty good pickup. Um, yeah, they, they've just added people here and there. And so I think that that's a really interesting interesting team uh, although they did add deandre jordan which is not not oh, an addition. no he's that's <laughs> definitely that he does nothing for me at all nothing they have a couple of uh, rounds but that's about it 
A team that's doing nothing for people in the NBA, at least in the circles that I've talked to, is the Miami Heat. They're plus 1,800. They were just in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Why are the Heat being kind of slept on as going back to the Finals? Because everyone saw what they had a season to go, right? Everyone saw what they had a season to go and said what? They need one more score. They need one more big-time player. And guess what? That player was out there and available. His name was Kevin freaking Durant, and they didn't go and pull the trigger. And I know that they had to jump through a lot of hoops, but look, they got a guy with slick back hair that's chilling outside of a a beach somewhere in Miami named Pat Riley that (laughs) makes things happen, right? And and I don't understand why they – that was my odds-on favorite where he was – Kevin Durant was going to land. He's going to end up in Miami. Him and Jimmy Buckets are going to wreck shop. I thought that would have been a great location for him. I think that Kevin Durant, his personality would have fit in very well there, and they would have been able to just run the East. But uh, it didn't happen, right? And so now KD's still in Brooklyn, and I think Miami missed a huge opportunity because they need that guy. They need a guy who's going to stop them from going on a five, six, seven, eight-minute drought with scoring, similar to Boston. That's what they do, too. They go on that long drought, man, and you can't do that because a team like, I mean, even if the Warriors, if they're to square up like in the finals, the Warriors, even if they go on a five or six minute drought, they'll hit four threes in a row and all of a sudden, boom, there you go. They're leading, right? I mean, they just, you, you can't, you can't go on droughts like that in the NBA. And that's the problem with Miami. The Heat are like this weird fool's gold where they talk about the Heat culture and, oh, we can find these guys like Max Struess and Gabe right. Vincent and Omer Yurtsevin. And like we can find these guys and even Duncan Robinson a couple years ago and bring them up. And then in the regular season when some of our stars or better players are out, they can cover for them. That doesn't work in the playoffs often. Like you, oh. you don't, you, those guys don't just come up and like win you playoff games. You have oh. to come with the guys that you have. And Kyle Lowry not being good enough last year really, really hurt them. He should have been that guy that you mentioned that right. that stops them from going on these droughts. And he wasn't good enough. Now, hopefully, he comes back this year, is healthier and all that. But he's still getting older. He's in year what? This is year seventeen for him. So I'm saying, yeah, he's he's in my opinion, he's old Lowry now, right? He's not Kyle Lowry. He's old Lowry, and so I just. I just, I just think he, you know what you're going to get from him, and it's not a whole lot. So that's why they needed a guy like a Kevin Durant. They need someone who could be a sniper and, and and just all of a sudden take over a game. Jimmy Buckets is awesome. I love what he brings to the table offensively and defensively, right? He plays both sides of the of the court. But, man, uh, they just need someone that's a sniper. They needed a KD. I, I really thought that was going to be the landing spot. And I was telling everyone, like, watch out. They are going to be nasty. Well, I just, I just didn't think they had enough stuff to get him. No, they obviously they didn't, or they would have, right? I mean, it's not like I'm, it's not <laughs> like I'm it's not like I'm telling sharing a secret that they didn't know. Oh, Kevin Durant was available. I mean, they knew he was available, so uh, obviously it just wasn't gonna gonna work out for them. The last team on this list, the Dallas Mavericks, my Dallas Mavericks, boom, plus twenty five hundred to win the title. They were in the Western Conference Finals last year. They have Luka Doncic, who is arguably the best player in this group, arguably the best player in the NBA. He can just he can. Like bring teams along with him, no matter who is behind him, who's on the floor with him. Why are the Dallas Mavericks so far down this list as far as title odds? I mean, we've mentioned 10 teams, I think now. Right. I just think that, I mean, you have Luca, you know, Brunson, Brunson's gone, right? I mean, you, you have, you have Luca and he's fantastic. And it took me, I'll be the first to admit, I was a little slow to the party. I thought when the Mavs made the, the draft day move and got Luca, everyone was pr- singing their praises. I was in Central Texas at the time, so everyone is locked in <laughs> on the Mavs, right? And they're like, oh, my God, look out. This is the next Jason Kidd. And I was like, whoa, slow your roll there, man. Jason Kidd is an HOFer, man. You know, and I'm, I'm a Bay Area guy, so I've been watching Jason Kidd since high school. So I'm like, hey, slow your roll. Well, fast forward to now, and Luca is fantastic, right? And I don't mind being the guy to say I was wrong. Luca is great. The problem I have with Luca, and you would know better, you host the Locked On Mavericks show. Luca goes at his own rate. 
Luca, I feel like when he's in the game, he's kind of goes at his own pace. And sometimes the rest of the guys, it's hard for them to even stay engaged. I thought Brunson sometimes struggled to play with with Luca at times last season just because they didn't go at different they went at the different paces. And so I think if you can get someone to compliment Luca and he maybe speeds up the pace a little bit, because what he does is so effortless, man. He really does. And I know Jason Kidd challenged them and said, you got to be strong defensively. Uh, I'm I'm rooting for them. I'll be the first to tell you I'm rooting for the Mavs because I'm a Jason Kidd guy. And I want Jason Kidd to succeed. And I think he has the, the weapons there in Dallas to succeed, starting with Luca. He's just got to have a little bit more around him. That's the biggest thing. But Free agents don't always often go to Dallas, as we all know. It doesn't happen too much, and so that's always going to be a, a mystery to me as well. I thought Mark Cuban's a guy that most players would like to play for. I mean, Mark Cuban is a is a player's kind of a guy, right? So I just it always like the big million dollar mystery. Why don't guys want to go to Dallas? And maybe with Luca there, somebody will finally step up and go. That sounds like every like fourth show on on Lockdown Mavs. During the offseason. Uh yeah. So Luca goes at his own pace. The Mavericks were 30th in the NBA in pace last year. Like dead last, the yeah. slowest team. But it works for them because they play the him. Luca's gonna it works for them. They made they like a really good team last year, made it to the Western Conference Finals, beat the Suns with that with that pace, and they found out a recipe and an identity that makes them work. It's it's the defensive end, and then it's the, all right, just everybody clear out, F off, and Luca's going to get you the ball at a certain point. Right. And they, they lose Brunson in that, but they add Christian Wood, who's one of the best talents they've had on the team in, in a little while. His fit is going to be interesting. They're starting him off the bench to start the season. They bring in JaVale McGee to, you know, to bolster that front court where they were starting Dwight Powell for like five minutes. And then that was it. JaVale in the will playoffs. Hard, man. He'll give you everything he's got. That's what I do know. JaVale will give you everything he's got. I'm not a big fan of him. I used to not like him when he was in Golden State because of his rat tail. I know that I, should, <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't judge a person by that, but I'm being honest with you because we're honest people around here. <laughs> But he'll give you everything he's got, and I can respect that. Uh, more, more thoughts about people's rat tail and hair situation, and how it, how it <laughs> connects to betting angles can be found on the Locked On Bets podcast Monday through Friday with with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Don't forget, this is a six-episode series where we will continue through October 17th discussing every NBA team with the experts that know them best. If you missed our contenders group, make sure to go back and hear more about the NBA Finals favorites going into the 2022 season. Tomorrow, we'll visit with the teams that are on the rise, the Cleveland Cavaliers adding Donovan Mitchell, Memphis Grizzlies making their revenge, Minnesota Timberwolves adding Rudy Gobert, the New Orleans Pelicans with Zion returning and the Toronto Raptors that kicked the tires around Kevin Durant. Are they going to regret not making that move? Once again, I'm Nick Engstead. And until next time, thank you to our friends at Odyssey and you for listening or watching. Find the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on Odyssey or your favorite podcast provider to make sure you don't miss an episode.